Are ghost guns real? BLM caught again with their hand in the cookie jar. And our very special guest, Bill Rockensteyer. This is The Loaded Mike, and I'm Dan Wass. Anti-gun politicians seem to be back on the ghost gun scare with a heavy focus on 3D printed firearms again. Manhattan, New York District Attorney Alvin Bragg said, quote, you can sit at your kitchen table and print out weapons of destruction, end quote. Authorities in New York have also said licensed gun owners in New York are allowed to use 3D printers to print a gun, but they must immediately register the new weapon with ATF, something that no one has ever done yet. On June, on June 2nd, 2023, Colorado Governor Jared Polis signed Senate Bill 279 into law banning the manufacturer possess, possession and sale of non-serialized firearms and firearm parts. It's a class one misdemeanor punishable by up to 364 days in jail to violate the ban. Subsequent offenses are a class five felony punishable by up to three years in prison. In an Ammoland article, John Crump explains how Polymer 80, the largest retailer of unfinished pistol frames, settled a lawsuit with the city of Los Angeles for $5 million and agreed not to sell its unfinished frame kits in California without first serializing the frame and running a background check on the prospective buyer. If we read between the lines, we see the anti-gun media talking about 3D printed guns, but the legislation being implemented covers any gun that can't be traced back to the owner's personal address. The anti-gun lobby and the media have everyone chasing these so-called 3D printed ghost guns because it works at building public fear and legislative support. It's convenient for the gun grabbers to qualify all untraceable firearms for legislative purposes while using 3D printed guns and parts as the culprit and giving them a scary name in the media. So what solution to this so-called problem of 3D printed ghost guns do the gun grabbers offer? Well, the answer is simple. That's the serialization and registration of all firearms exchanging hands. Will firearm registration affect stolen firearms, which are used in the vast majority of crimes, in any way? Of course not. But how could anti-gun politicians justify firearm serialization and registration of law-abiding citizens by using stolen guns as the problem? They couldn't, because everyone understands that if a firearm is stolen, it's certainly not going to be registered by its new possessor. Enter the ghost gun and the 3D printer. The term ghost gun was created to scare people who don't know any better into believing these mysteriously dangerous guns are everywhere. The 3D printing process is used to justify legislation, even though it may not be the problem. The solution, of course, is the government being able to track every single firearm transfer to its new owner. Now, I don't remember the Second Amendment saying, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, as long as the government knows who has guns and the home addresses where they can be found. As a matter of fact, at the time of our founding, our founding fathers never had any intention of notifying government who had guns and where they could be found. Building firearms has always been an American tradition. Are we supposed to believe that 3D printed plastic guns have suddenly become a threat to civilization? 
The ghost gun is nothing more than the latest fear campaign used for the purpose of implementing gun tracking legislation. Red flag laws are the vehicle for gun confiscation without due process. The two would work hand in hand because before you can confiscate guns, you must first know where they're located. So today, we're going to talk about this and many other things with, you know him, and sometimes, uh, maybe sometimes love him, John Chiara. As long as they accept me, that's all I care. Hola. <laughs> <laughs> and the one and only, and thank God for that, Anthony Diesel. Yo. Yay. <laughs> All right. So the topic of discussion is the ghost gun fear campaign, 3D printed guns that are running rampant. Everybody's printing guns at their kitchen table and going out and killing people. I got 10 of them. Right. <laughs> you, have a, you have a 3D printed slingshot. <laughs> <laughs> and the solution, serialization and registration of every single gun transaction in America. Okay. Okay. So, what are your thoughts? Another great example of like, let's create a freaking a phantom problem and then make that transplant that onto the real world and say, oh, look, we should be scared of this. So it's fear, right? It's what we always talk about. Because Sally Soccer Mom, she hears Ghost Gun, and what does she, you know? Oh my God! Oh my God! <laughs> it's coming to get me. Get rid sleep. of these ghost guns. Gonna, They're printing them. It's gonna <laughs> come out from under the bed. Is there one in the trash can at the soccer field? Well, my question is, how many gangbangers? Because it's the gang. It's the gang members who are committing the vast majority of crime and the vast majority of gun-related crime. Do, what are, they, are we supposed to believe that they have like these these 3D printing processes in their basement? Is that what? Well, even if they do, what's that got to do with anybody else? Well, it's got to do with you or me. They're right? not following the law. They're not going to go and register it. Right. Hey, uh, I made this. Right. I printed this gun. I, I, I plan to do a drug deal next week, a big drug deal. So I wanted to make sure I come to the government and register this gun before yeah. I do We're it. We're going to need right? it for backup, you know, <laughs> yeah. in case the deal goes bad. Which, which by the way, we're going to get into a lot of the law enforcement stuff. We're going to get into uh the fire department stuff like what firefighters go through and EMT and all that stuff, all the public servant kind of work, the dangerous stuff that we, that we have in our society. We're going to get into that conversation in a little while in the next segment with our special guest, Bill Rockensteyer. So this is going to be a real good conversation. And yes, he is in the studio. And, but I wanted to get through a few things before we bring Bill in. Um, so, yeah, so that was one thing. I wanted to just hit on that and see what you guys thought about the whole ghost gun thing. Scary. Well, isn't that the idea? Scary? Like, what's scarier than ghosts, right? Well, it's supposed to be scary. I, oh, I, I get it. That Haunted houses, scary. right? That's shirt scary. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up until you, you, you had to. Got his chest hair hanging out. It's 80 what's, degrees out there. It is hot Dressed out. Just for yeah. the season. John's got his Hawaiian shirt. I don't know. I kind of like it. It's all right. You look like actually. It's, it's real silk. You look like, um, what's his name, who did Margaritaville? Jimmy Buffett? Yeah, Jimmy Buffett. You look like Jimmy Buffett. You should be on the beach. Stepping on my flip-flop on my <laughs> pop-top. Cut your heel on, on a pop-top. On a pop-top. Tripped on your flip-flop. Exactly. <laughs> got a tattoo. Mexican cutie. <laughs> Anyway, I know I know the lyrics too. We're just talking about there's a there's a a bar in Nashville called Margaritaville, 
and uh, I've been there. My, my wife and I went there last is time. Is it Buffett's it. Bar? He's got a lot of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Right, it is. Actually, friends that I used to know used to go around the whole world setting up Margaritaville. Oh, really? They'd open, open the things up, yeah. I was at the one in Nashville. It was good. And the musicians in Nashville, I don't know how we got on this topic, but the musicians, well, we're going to actually, we got a topic that's going to talk about music in, in, in a minute, but um, the musicians in Nashville, just amazing. You know, I've had a lot of talks this last week with different people about those situations. Yeah, yeah, it's a different place. But one thing that I was really wondering. <laughs> I'm wondering, what if someone breaks in my house and I'm sleeping? What are you going to do? I'm going to reach for something, but where could I possibly wow. keep that? I would reach I I a, Have you heard of the Holster Gator? Oh, yeah, tell us. The Holster Gator, um, it's a really cool device, and it's, uh, it attaches to your car under your dashboard, uh, to your bed frame like you're talking about, or mm-hmm. uh, under your desk, or I don't know, where, where else do you think you're going to? Bathtub. Bathtub. Yep. Your hover around. Your, your hover around one. <laughs> your pogo stick. That's true. You're, you could attach it to anything. And what it does is it accepts your holster. So like when you get in the car, a lot of people take their gun out of their holster, put it in their magnet or whatever, take the holster out, put the holster on the passenger seat, and it's not a good configuration. This way you take your entire holster out, you attach it to the holster gator, and what it does is it protects your uh, trigger. You got trigger protection, and your draw is just as clean and easy as it normally would because you're literally drawing it from your own holster. Um, Very cool device created by some pretty intelligent people, and um, I think you're going to like it. So check out the Holster Gator at holstergator.com and use the discount code LOADED for a 20% discount. It's a great device. All right, so um, speaking of music, right, we talked about music. Now, we've we, all three of us here have been in or are still in the music industry, right? Some of us stood on tables, others didn't. Some of us stood on tables and, right, did some crazy stuff. But some of us don't do that stuff anymore because now some of us have grown into adults. Yeah. (laughs) I was thinking of (laughs) adjectives, but that's all good. (laughs) So, well, just so people know, since I was 17 years old, I've been playing nightclubs. You guys probably, how old were you when you started? Early as they let us. They had to sneak me into the... 17. Couldn't drink. Could play. Right. I had to get snuck snuck in the back room or the back door so I could actually play on stage and do the gig. Um, So we all understand that, you know, there's a lot of time and effort that goes into uh, learning your skill, learning your craft, uh, spending money on equipment. I know you've got probably thousands invested in your drums. Oh, yeah. Thousands. You know, and John, people may not know this, but. John's quite a singer. Among other things. Among other, he's very talented. <laughs> he's a very talented guy. He's what's that? It's an old saying. <clears throat> jack of all trades, master of none. And, and, and funny you should wear the use the word Jack too. It's pretty funny. Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and Anthony <laughs> is quite the drummer and uh, kind of hired gun lately, aren't you? you are you doing? That was a one-off. Oh, it's just a one-off. Okay. <laughs> Plus, if you need, need your driveway sealed, he's your man. Oh, the man. point, the point is, it takes. We put a lot of effort. Musicians put a lot of effort in. So, I, I got this. Um, I got this one topic I wanted to talk about. Uh, I call it play for free, 
and you guys, I'm sure you're going to have a lot of comments on this. It's not an earth-shattering thing, but it's something that I thought would bring up conversation that you that we could, you could really relate to. There's a new bakery in Malta, New York, and they need entertainment, but they want musicians to play for free. Or, I'm sorry, excuse me. Or exposure. Exposure. Oh, right. <laughs> right. I didn't know exposure paid the bills. Exposure to the bakery crowd. So, hey, <laughs> hey landlord, I'm going to need to pay you with some exposure. I got 77 hours of exposure. Twenty bucks an hour. So we good. <laughs> so anyone who has spent years practicing their instrument and developing their skill can have the privilege of loading up their equipment that they spent thousands of dollars on, hauling their gear to this bakery, setting up, playing for hours, tearing down the equipment, loading out, and driving back home. But the reward is, you lucky musicians out there, <laughs> you have just ex- you have just got exposure to ten people who walked into this bakery to get coffee and who walked right back out. So I want to show you the, do we have that, that? I'm in. Okay. So here it is. So this woman says she's looking for some light entertainment to perform at her new Malta bakery on Saturday and or Sundays. Music, magic, face painting, etc. It's all a great way to spread your name. And if you are new and looking for exposure, this would be a work for tips gig. Send message with questions. Okay. What I wanted to see from you guys was your opinion on do they have any idea what's involved in being a musician? No, they don't care. How can they ask such a thing? Just tell them, hey, I need baked goods at a party. Bring your stuff over, set it all up, serve 50 people, and, you know, it'll be good exposure for you. It doesn't work in any other. It doesn't work in reverse ever. She should. I bet you this woman's not giving away her muffins, right? No. She's not uh, even offering you a muffin. She, she's probably not even offering the musicians a free muffin. Not even. I, a I would. I muffin. would put that in the ad. At least you might get some bites, right? <sighs> yeah, free muffins. Free muffins. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this, is because we we talk about this b- before. You know, there's a, a problem in the bar band scene that there's a lot of there's a lot of this. Um, I don't know if you call it disrespect toward bands or just non appreciation toward bands by the the establishments, the bars and stuff, they don't seem to understand that we have actually more time invested in our craft than they do in theirs. You know? Half the barns don't even know how to run their business. Uh, right. They rely on a bar manager to do it. Right. You just it, put the money there. Well, but, but to the crux of the problem, though, it's a supply and demand thing. If you have yeah. bands that are willing to play for nothing or for cheap, right. why, would you, why would you ever think otherwise? Yeah. You, you can there's get away with being ignorant. I call them bottom feeders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's a lot of bands that will play for 400 bucks. Yeah. A lot but of bands will play for a lot less than that. They don't know their worth. They don't. And what they do is I think they, they corrupt the whole system. I was talking about this years ago. I haven't, been, I haven't played. It's the same. In the a while, whole, but the whole lower end of the whole local music industry, I, and I'm sure it's true all around the country, it's yeah. just corrupted. It's all yeah. it's it's a mess because you got hobbyists, people that don't care about the money. Oh, I don't care about the money. I'm just doing it to have a good time. Okay, and they don't understand what they're doing to the system. Yeah, well, would you go and just because you want to go sell hot dogs, go in front of the restaurant down the street and set up your hot dog cart and give away free hot dogs in front of the restaurant? Why would, they wouldn't let? It's against the law. <laughs> right, it's illegal. But in the music business, it's allowed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things that really frustrated me about the business and, you know, 
oh, well, can you can you do this gig for half of what you normally get? You know, it's a fundraiser. Yeah, it's a benefit. Oh my God, how many benefits really? have you played? <laughs> Is National Grid giving your electricity free? When that happens, right. I'll I'll give you a break. Right. <laughs> and I would think that the band, you know, the bands who are because every town, every area has three, four, five really really good bands. Really popular bands, I should mm -hmm. say. And I don't know if they're necessarily any better than the other bands, right. but they're really popular. They have big draws. And you would think that those bands would, leaders of those bands would pull some of these people back behind the, you know, the scene and say, hey, listen, what well, the hell are you doing? It happens on social media all the time. They do. They, everybody talks about it, but you're not going to get people to listen. People don't care. You know, they're, if, they're, if, you're, if you're a... Well, it's different because there's a lot of solo and duo things going on now that actually make sense financially because if you can make enough money and it all works out. But but there's some people that are just, you know, we put together a hobby band and mm -hmm. we want to play out and they're just willing to go out and do stuff. And if those bands keep <clears throat> rotating, if every couple months there's a new hobby band coming along that's willing to play for nothing and you have an establishment where that's what you like, <laughs> I guess. You well, there's another, there's another problem to this. When when bands do that, if they if they're awful, they they're horrible bands, then, you know, it the the bar says, oh, these I, I'm not going to pay anything for these bands. These bands are terrible. Well, what the problem is is they hired a free band, right? Right. They don't know. That's why booking agents used to fix most of that because they had a vested interest in having the bands be happy and having the bar be happy. Yeah. So that relationship needed to stay viable financially otherwise they would just not hire the bands right but once the drinking age changed and the bar owners started doing all the hiring and stuff they don't well for instance there's a local establishment casino locally here now that's going through all kinds of turmoil with people working in the in the entertainment part of the business that don't know the business and they're double booking and canceling jobs and it's just i just read stuff on the way in today it's just unprofessional well it's and would you ask your mechanic to Put, do do your breaks for you for free for exposure. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to be driving this car. A lot of people are going to see this. Exactly. They're going to know how good your brakes are. I'm going to show them the receipt. It says free. <laughs> You're going to be on the hook. Yeah. Or your carpenter. I mean, you have somebody come over. Well, listen, you know, I, I I'm you do this job for free, and I'll recommend you to my friends. I've got ten friends that'll hire you. One needs a birdhouse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know, or uh, you know, it it doesn't it, it doesn't matter what businesses you you don't do that except with bands. Yep. Yep. People think like this woman Stacy, whatever her whatever her name is. She starts this business and she wants she wants to do well. She wants money to come in. She wants to sell her muffins. She understands that she needs to draw people in, and she sees musicians as maybe uh, these guys, uh, they, they just want to play for free. They don't care. They're not really valid. They're not really important. They don't really do much. They just kind of play music. So maybe I can lure some of them in and tell them they'll get exposure at my ba How many people are going to see a band at her stupid bakery? Right. You're just coming in for like 10 seconds, getting right. your stupid muffin and taking a hike. Right. <laughs> and it's probably going to be loud as hell in there. It's going to be too loud. Exactly. You're going to be like, some old lady's going to come in like, what's that crap going on over there? I just came out my muffin. <laughs> Give me my muffin. Give me my muffin. That's the problem. Go. You always get that. People complaining that something's too loud. Well, there's a band here. Somebody hired a band. Even when they hire bands. I was at, I did an outdoor party last Friday, and the lady who was in charge of the whole thing, is. some people are asking if you can turn it down. And you always get blamed for that. I'm like, 
PA's off. Hear how loud it is? That's the band. That's just coming PA's from the stage. On. Yeah. You barely hear some vocals coming out. That's all you're hearing. So it's so they don't understand. Well, you're always fighting with the band too to keep their oh, to keep yeah. their well, backline down and keep all the amps down and stuff. I know. I've, nobody's innocent, you know. I get no. it. So that was uh, I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, we, isn't the new segment that we have is, is our triggered segment because I wanted to. This is funny. You guys are gonna love this. So we're moving on, and um, because society has lost its mind and no one is calling out the insan- insanity, actually many people are actually celebrating the insanity, we at The Loaded Mike thought it would be time to help the lunatics among us recognize just how emotionally reactive and ridiculous they really are in the hopes of encouraging them to stay in the basement if they can't conduct themselves like normal human beings. So we created a new segment called... All right. So in this triggered clip, a woman is so concerned with toxic emissions from cars. She tells this guy in the parking lot that he's putting people in danger because he's sitting in his car while it's running. Not only is she a deranged climate cult nut job who's no right to tell others what to do, but the car is electric. <laughs> so, this is the insanity of the political left in living color. These people have serious mental problems and they need help. But let's let's watch this video. Oh, look at her. Who are they? Tom Sawyer. Do you know what you're doing here with your engine idling? No, what? You are polluting the atmosphere. Really? You're just sitting here without a care of the world with your engine running. Okay. And you don't care. Who you're polluting here? Okay, really? Lots of kids live around here, you know. What, what, what is that so? What, what, yeah. what are you losing? I, I don't see any kids here. Well, they're not here at the moment, but they're living in these flats. You know, the okay. fumes from this car are going in through the, all the, the windows the, and all the, the ventilation. The, the, uh, the fumes from this car, yeah? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You are. You do know that this car's electric, right? Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah. You try and fob me off like that. No, it's an electric car. Large, 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 large. Just to cover up your crimes. Because I will be reporting this, you know. What, 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 you know to the authorities. What, 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 and say what? Hey, excuse me, someone's in their car. Yeah, I'm going to take a picture of you and all. Yeah, what, yeah. so that's you. <laughs> sitting reason? in the car with the engine running. You're polluting the atmosphere. Just smack that hat right over her head. How is it a crime? Because it's you a are crime. sending your car. untold... Nasty What's the code for that crime, John? All over this area. <laughs> really? You shouldn't be allowed. Am I really? Yes. I think you are really. I shouldn't be allowed. Really, Look at her breathe, hat. As you're talking to me now, you are sitting there with your engine running. And you're sat there with a hat. Engine running, it's electric. And you're standing over there with a hat on. I'm, I'm a so, well, I'm a... well, that might be a crime against fashion, but it's certainly not a crime as in the police are going to get me, are they? Okay, so what? You're going to call the police because, because I'm just sat in my car? <laughs> You've sat in your car with your engine running. If you were sat in the car with your engine off, like, I wouldn't say anything about it. What's with that hat? My way and you know enjoy my afternoon rather than engaging like... in a pointless conversation with you. No, no, <coughs> like... it's not pointless because I'm hoping that you're going to turn that bloody engine off. Love, love, it's an electric yeah, car. Yeah, no, you've got a child in the back there. Love, love, it's an Do you know what car. you're doing to that child? You've got the window oh open, talking to me. As you would, of course. But I'm saying but it's an electric car, though. <laughs> it's not an electric car. It's, it's an electric car. <laughs> Look, there's, there's, no, there's no emissions coming out of it. What are you pointing here. at that for? What's that? No, no, what I'm, is that? What? Oh, so it, that tells me it's an electric car. It's now. a sticker. What? You, you've got the right. To, all right. You, look, you, you've okay. got the right to, right, to, to okay. bend okay. my finger. I'm going to touch your car again. Thank but you. I'm just.
I think that T stands for. I think that T stands for transformer. What? What? Seriously, what happens to people that they got to be like that? So, do you think it's fake? No, oh, I don't think it's. I didn't think it was fake. I don't know. I thought her Sounds hat looked like she outrageous. came through a wind tunnel. a Tesla, she, unless she's really uninformed. But about. that's not even the point. Why? Oh, who, who does that? What crime is it? For what your what car crime is the hat? The hat was sweet. <clears throat> yeah, she on her needs brain. to have that hat knocked right off her head. Yeah. But I People should just shut up. I would have pulled that zip right up over her head. Ooh. But you have to be some level of brainwashed to go up to someone who's sitting in their car. That's not even running. It's not even running. <laughs> and, and just just to even confront someone on that on that topic. You well, have to. She thought the car was idling. It wasn't making any noise. So how did, why did she think it was idling? That's why I'm thinking it might be fake. Cause why, I don't, how do we know? Why was well, you can still hear. Oh, you can't, no, you can't, well, you can't no, hear it some, some Teslas have. When they're moving, but when you're parked. Well, even when they're parked, they, they, have, oh, a, maybe they, they, have. they have a sound system yeah. oh. that makes it sound like it's I've running. I've almost been running. Oh, yeah? They do. They have an, they have an, like a, an audio system that will make it sound like it's really? running. Really? Yeah. Got it. So they don't sneak up on you and Parking lots yeah, are yeah, dangerous. Like the street I almost got run Boop. over by a Tesla in the parking lot. So it probably had the idle sound on. Uh, and she go. probably heard it. Maybe that's what it but was. But then right? she's like, what's that T? It's a transformer. Get out of the way because it's going to turn into a robot. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, well. But even if it was a gas-powered car, wh- where does she get the arrogance I would have revved do- it up. Oh, I, I would I love to. smoked her right out. I would love to see a, like a, her go up to a diesel truck and have <laughs> a freaking, what do they call it, roll coal on her? Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, can you check the headlight fluid? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Oh, people, this world's falling apart. It's just insane. I just don't understand how someone can get that deranged to be able to go up to somebody sitting in their car and confront them, even if it was a gas-powered car. Who who the hell are you to tell me? And then to say it's a crime? (laughs) What crime? What crime is it? What penal law is that? Don't be on my jury. Uh, Oh, imagine that. So a lot of these people, I tell them, I go, I don't want you in my jury, and I don't want you in my foxhole because you make bad decisions. You have no idea how to analyze anything correctly. Now imagine that. Imagine that stupid case goes to court, and the guy's in court, and he's got a jury of his peers, <laughs> making, all de- Tesla owners, deciding, all Tesla owners, <laughs> deciding whether he goes to jail. Oh Jesus! And they're all a bunch of Karens like oh, her. It would no. never get that far. What are you, what I know, what what are you in for? Let my car idle. What a what a freaking people are absolutely insane. Uh, one before we run out of time here. Um, it looks like the left is turning on BLM after realizing that they were scammed out of millions of dollars. Now, we talked about this. And we have a couple of clips. Can we play that first clip? Black Lives Matter executives appear to pay themselves millions as the organization faces possible bankruptcy. According to tax documents, BLM top executives got hefty paychecks despite the organization ending the year nearly $9 million in debt. The tax records also show that millions were paid out to individuals close to the group, including the brother of the former executive director, Patrice Cullors. Now, these numbers are in stark contrast to the year prior when the group took in $42 million. Okay. 42 mil. How much did they get? 42 million. And I know it was something. They about raised 42 million? Yeah. And they're 9 million in debt? <laughs> oh, I think that it was sense. last year. <laughs> that there's, makes sense. There's well, one more clip and we can talk about it. One more clip and we can talk about this. But now it's on the brink of bank. 
Global Network Foundation. They spent a jaw-dropping $88 million, but now it's on the brink of bankruptcy. It's really hard for me to talk about this story without getting angry and to see the millions of dollars that went to funding this absolute grip uh, on the backs of black suffering. And, and let me clarify for a minute. When I say black suffering, I'm not talking about the type of black suffering that those on the left like to talk about, like this make-believe idea of modern-day systemic racism. I'm talking about the black suffering in America's inner cities that are ran almost <clears throat> exclusively by progressives. I'm talking about the young black children who can't go play in the city of Chicago without the threat of a bullet being lodged in their head. I'm talking about the black suffering uh, in cities like Baltimore, where there are schools where not a single student can be found as proficient in either math or reading. I am talking about the black suffering in blue states like California, where young black children are trapped in failing schools because there is a war on school choice. Black Lives Matter was never about black lives. It was about luxury homes, luxury handbags, and nothing more and nothing less. So, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> well, we know what morons, a majority of the morons who donated to that are probably white people. They're white liberals. Absolutely. White liberal idiots. Guilty white liberals. I want right, to know why right. she's not. Exactly. Well, white liberals who feel guilty. Who feel guilty right. of something that they had nothing to do with. Why is she not in prison? Oh, colors? What? Yeah. yeah. She, she literally took funded money. Donated money and spent it on herself. That is illegal. Yeah, even just from the IRS perspective, for her taxes and stuff. I mean, <laughs> right. How is she not? I don't know. Unbelievable. What would happen if uh, if we started the White Lives Matter and we spent $88 million? We're taking donations. All three of us would be in federal <laughs> prison right now. On that note, that Danny, white privilege is working perfectly for you, Dan. Perfectly good. We are I'm uh, selling my white privilege card. We are running out of time. Running out of time for this segment. Um, Danny's wrapping us up. Stick around after the break. We got Bill Rockenstein coming. This is going to be a great conversation. I can promise you that. So stick around. We'll be right back. Gator, when seconds matter. The media and politicians create terms like gun violence and ghost gun and assault weapon to change the narrative around guns in America. The entire anti-gun fear campaign is built on the reactive emotions of people who don't know any better. And the media seeks their support for gun restrictions. In Good Gun, Bad Guy, I give you the behind-the-scenes look into the mind of the anti-gun radical because before we can defeat them, we need to understand their tactics. Good Gun, Bad Guy 2 exposes the media strategies used to create a perpetual state of irrational gun fear and hatred toward gun owners. Good Gun, Bad Guy 3 reveals the political motives behind the gun grab, why the left wants an unarmed population, and what we can do to thwart their efforts. The anti-Second Amendment radicals started this evil game. Good Gun, Bad Guy is the rule book they hoped you would never see. Go to goodgunbadguy.com to get your copy or purchase the entire series.
as promised, Bill Rockenstein, who's a City of Schenectady, New York Fire Department captain, is with us today. And I've really been looking forward to this conversation because there's so much stuff that we can talk about with Bill. Stuff that we talk about, but we don't really know the insight. You know, we, he's we, on the front line. He's on the front line. So, uh, so Bill, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's my first uh, podcast. I've been looking forward to... Oh, you'll to, love it. To doing this. You feel something on your leg? Yeah. Good to see you, John. It's John. Nice meeting you, Anthony. It's John touching you from over there. <laughs> it's really just a bunch of guys goofing off. That's all it is. So, so relax. We're just going to... Uh, but I did want to ask you a few questions. Oh, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to pull up this one article. Let's talk. Let's talk about this. Um, CDC article... Well, actually, you know what? You know, I'm going to go to CNN. CNN. Everybody loves to hate CNN. <clears throat> CNN says, CNN Health, drug overdose deaths in the United States surged during the COVID-19 pandemic, and preliminary data suggests that 22 was the deadliest year yet. Much of the trend can be attributed to the steep rise of fentanyl, which I'm hoping that we can talk about with you. Yeah. Uh, powerful, powerful synthetic opioid. Uh, it's now involved in nearly two-thirds of all overdose deaths in the U.S., and you can probably tell us if that's accurate or not. Uh, but data suggests that there are there are other underlying factors driving up overdose deaths. So uh, a couple statistics here in 21, <clears throat> more than twice as many people died from overdose involving uh, methamphetamine than in 2019, according to data published this month by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control. Uh, nearly a third of all overdose deaths that, that year, uh, more than 31,000 involved the drug. Deaths involving cocaine are also on the rise, jumping 24%. I thought that was like an old drug. Is it people still doing coke? Anyway. They can in, afford it, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> in both 20 and 21, according to CDC, experts say that the spread of fentanyl is making drug use more dangerous overall. Okay. So, Bill, let's first of all, let's do some housekeeping with, with your um, career. 22 years in fire? Correct. Yep. And how did you get in? How did it all kind of happen? So it's uh, it's a pretty good story, actually. I mean, I, I ultimately was trying to get into law enforcement is where I started uh, trying to do that. And when I decided to grow up, I started taking civil service tests. You, oh, so you're grow I don't think he can be here if he's grown up. Yeah, you got to go. When, when you, you, you know, when you're, when you're starting to figure out your future and, you know, you're starting to see people that you went to school with that are getting out of four-year you know, four-year schools, and they're starting to settle down and do things, and then you're trying to figure out what to do. Um, I started taking civil service tests. I was taking uh, DMV, uh, corrections, police officer. I was taking one every Saturday just trying to find a find a job. And, you know, it's not like it is today. I mean, if, I feel like there's more jobs than there are people yep. today. But back then, you were trying to get a job, you know, with benefits. Like like today, it's different. I mean, when, when you were a certain age and you're 18, you were looking for a job that had uh, health benefits because you didn't have any. Where now it's extended, you know, the uh, parents can keep their kids on their insurance until they're 27, um, a little bit older. You know, there's that sense of responsibility starts to yeah. go away with, with that. So ultimately, I was looking for a job, and uh, I started taking civil service uh, tests in my in my community. I lived in the city of Schenectady. And this is the this is the thing with Schenectady. It's it definitely has come a long way. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely got a lot of uh, um, 
resurgence to it. You know, we got the casino there. The, you know, the downtown area has, it, is definitely improved. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, and I've seen that evolution from when I got in in the 90s to now. It's definitely uh, a world of difference. They, yep. They've done, um, you know, they've done a lot of things that have been for the, you know, for the good for the city. Uh, that's for sure. So, anyways, back to a little bit on my timeline. So, um, my first job I got in, in the civil service realm, I got hired in uh, city dispatch in uh, 1998. And... The police department. So, another thing from then till now, just I know this is just gonna be a little bit wordy, but um, answering nine one one calls. That that's got to be crazy. That was the hardest job I've ever had in my life. So tell us a little bit about that. That is absolutely crazy. So you got to remember, this is pre cell phones. So we're talking nineteen ninety eight. Not everybody had a cell phone. So okay, that, that's a lot of like nine one one hangups from like corners, from street corners, and. You know, people are calling in and, and they're hanging up now. Is there somebody laying on the ground because they need help? Or you, know, you don't know well, what's the deal. So right. you know, there's there's a lot of that. Um, that was that was a hard job because you're trying to get all the information that you you can. You know, <clears throat> for whatever reason, you know, it's like you want to know the location, you want to know where they are, you want to know all these information so you can do, uh, you, you know, get them the services that they need. So that job was that was the hardest job I ever had. And uh, I got to see the inside of the police department and how it worked. And, you know, it's, it was uh, it, it was different. I mean, law enforcement now is way different than it was back in the 90s. You know what I mean? Better? Um, it's, it's better from the visual aspect of the community, yes, because everything is – you got they got body cams, yep. they, you know, cell phones, ring doorbells. There's 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 Facebook Live, so you know everybody can be a, a critic on on the job that they do. It's bottom line, it's a hard job for sure for them to do that. Um, but <clears throat> back in the nineties, it, it was it was it was just absolutely crazy. Well, uh, because the, the communication center that w I worked in, we also did uh, dispatch fire. So the fire chief at the time uh, called in one, one day for some information, and he asked me if I was taking the fire test. And I was like, I, I didn't really think, I don't know much about the fire department. You know, I, you know, I kind of look at the names of the, all the people that are on the fire department. It looks like there's a lot of people that are related, and, you know, it seems like a son-dad type job. And, you know, is that a monarchy? Yeah, uh, Irish, a lot of Irish people. Uh, not, not really. A lot of Italians <coughs> disconnected. Italians, okay. Yeah. Right, all right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I never really gave it a thought. I really, I really didn't really think too much of it. So the chief at the time had said, "He goes, well, you know, we're having the civil service test. You know, why don't you, why don't you take it for uh, just see how you do? You know, not not a big deal." So I looked into it, and there was a requirement for the the job that you had to be an EMT, and I'll get into. You know the difference between an EMT and a paramedic. You need to be an EMT before you could be a paramedic. So there's a, yep. a progression in the, the learning aspect. So you became an EMT, right? So the the prerequisite to get on the fire department at the time, in 2002 when I got on, was you just had to be uh, an EMT. Now it's a requirement you have to be a paramedic, and I'll yep. and I'll explain that in a minute. So. Um, I took the EMT class on my own because that was a prerequisite. I took the test. Like all the civil service tests I took before, I just let them ride out. You know what I mean? You take it, you know, you take it in June, you don't get your you don't get your results yeah. until September. So you just go about your life and it is what it is. So when I took the medical aspect of things, the EMT class, which is I, I recommend anybody that's in 
any sort of like a two-year school or has the ability to get a credit to take your EMT because there's some valuable information just You in told me you saw a lot of like crazy stuff as being an EMT or paramedic. I mean, people just, your term was gorked out, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's, <laughs> there's a lot that, uh, you know, just like everything else, the more you do it, you, you, get, you get comfortable and you understand it a little bit better. Well, can you tell us some of those, like what you would see as an EMT? Like what you would, yeah, what were some so, of the calls like? So the thing is, is like, uh, you know, everybody has this reference, I feel, where they see stuff on TV, how it is. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to bring Chicago Fire into the sh aspect of what I do, but something that happens on Chicago Fire, that can happen, but it happens in somebody's career. It doesn't happen in a, in a one-hour yeah, yeah, right, right. time frame. So, you know, a lot of stuff just, I think, uh, you know, I was just very naive being young raised in the suburbs and then working in the city, you know, some of the, some of the way that people live is just, is just extraordinary. Like, like what? Uh, I mean, I got a couple, a couple very early stories that were, you know, pretty, pretty shocking, but I remember, you know, we, you know, we knock on a door and we go in, we're getting sent to somebody's house because they passed out or they fainted or whatever the situation was that they, you know, were having issues on that day. And you knock on the door and you make it known, you know, oh, you know, fire department. And you open the door and you just see just lumps and lumps of dog crap everywhere, right? <laughs> and you're like thinking, like, you know, ah, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of weird. So you want to make sure this dog's not going to eat me. You know, I'm going in there to do it, and that's, you know, we don't want to get attacked by a dog. So you go, hey, you know, fire department, you know, you got you got your dog secured, and then you hear from the other room, I don't have a dog. Oh God, oh, that wasn't dog sure that house. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, human that's, piles. That's, so that's kind of so people literally room. crapping on the floor in their yeah, own there's, house. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of lot of weird what weird things that I what has to happen to someone? To, you know, it's 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 really hard. Ultimately, uh, when you can figure out what their you know, what their issue is and you get them to the hospital, it's sort of like hot potato. You know, you can get them out of that environment and get them into another environment, and then that becomes a little bit more of an issue at the hospital level if they're going to return them to their environment or they're going to get services involved. But So what about services? Are there mental health facilities that can... Um, I think they're over, you know, they're overwhelmed right now. I mean, yeah. talking, you know, when I was <clears throat> starting off in the beginning to where I am now, you know, talking with the police officers now on the calls... You said to him, hey, you know, what? what is your most frequent call? You know, you're thinking like maybe robberies or, you know, vehicle, uh, you know, accidents or whatever. You talk to them, they say mental health problem. That's their biggest. That's what a lot of the resources now are, are being taken away from the guy that's actually on patrol in your neighborhood to, to take somebody that's got an issue and bring them to wherever they need to go for for help is is depleting our services. So we're creating more mental health issues in the country and less facilities to help people. But take away the guns because that's the real problem, right? And bring in some immigrants. Yes, yes, bring in some immigrants. Pull it up. Oh God. So okay, so go ahead. Sorry to interrupt, but mental health. Yeah. So it's. Um, you know, back to where you started the segment off with, uh, you know, opiates, you know, that's, that's another one, but that's, that's nothing new. I mean, people have been overdosing for you know, a long time. It's just more 
brought forward and they've uh, they've tried to come up with solutions. You know, Narcan. I mean, you've heard you know Narcan. Yeah, you were right? talking free earlier now, about right? that. Yeah, free Narcan. So Narcan is is very benign. It, it's not really going to do anything to the four of us if it, if it was administered to us because it's it's not. That's why they're able to release it a lot for right. for somebody to uh, <clears throat> to use. You know, the one that gets overlooked and you know we were talking about this earlier is that it's not just always for that recreational overdose you know you have a you have an older person that's cognitive function is not good did i take my pain meds right. this morning overloading right on, on pain right. meds so and stuff. that is a tool that can be used to help that family member that's you know that's kind of overlooked you know we make sure you you're able to help everybody in a community not just you know you know the ones that are making the most noise so that's a good thing right the, the narcan being available it is. like that that makes sense it is Another one that was very, that I, you know, that was explained to me that I could never figure out is, you know, I'm very, very naive coming into, you know, a lot of the things, you know, I don't have a history of drug use. I mean, uh, I don't, I feel as though people that are overdosing, they'd be in like some vacant house or in a basement or doing something. And they're very out there in the public. And I could never figure that one out. I'm like, why, why are you in the Dunkin' Donuts bathroom? Why are you? Oh, oh. Why are you here? Why are you there? Why are you, why are you doing all this? And do you, do you know why? Do you know why they do this? This is very interesting. So, so what will happen is somebody that's, that's got a, you know, a, um, an issue with taking recreational drugs, they very well have a supplier. What drugs are we talking about? It could be, you know, I can't really get into, they're caught in everything with fentanyl. You know, okay. fentanyl is being caught in various ways on how, how they, you know, how so they smoke. Coke, heroin, whatever. Yeah, it's more, it's... More heroin, I would say, is probably what they're cutting it with. Um, so what ends up happening is if you're getting it from somebody and you're a reliable source, they know what it takes to get them where they need to be. And that person moves along, gets arrested, doesn't is not available, and they got to seek it somewhere else. They get it from somebody and they don't necessarily trust the source. Whatever they're used to doing, they go to a public place to use it because they know if it's not going to work out for them, somebody's going to be there to, oh, to be able to, to basically call for help rather than they're in some shady basement somewhere is trying it out. So they actually do the McDonald's or Dunkin' Donuts bathroom Public because they, they... They want to be found if it doesn't work out. What the hell? So they know that they're putting themselves at, at even higher risk. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're titrating what they, they're doing to determine their supplier <clears throat> and what, what they're cutting it with and... But when you're getting four or five or six are happening, then that means somebody grabs something that that's getting. Uh, and where are the, the drugs community. coming from? Can you do you have do you follow the trail? Uh, I kind of stay right at the where where I am as far as yeah. the you know the end game. I'm not really into you know I'm not really tracking. So you're not tracking from, from d- small town dealer to the larger dealers no. to the regional dealers to the whatever. No, that's you know that's more of a law enforcement yeah. you know question. I, you know, I get, I see the end result from, you know, the user more than I do where, you know, where they're getting it from, but it's, uh, it's, it's definitely been increased, especially during COVID. It kicked up a lot during COVID when nobody had, you know, much to do or, you know, much going on. There was, it, it got up there for a while. They were doing that. Do you recognize the same people doing the same stuff over and over, or is it different there, people all the time? Yeah, or? there are reoccurring customers for yeah. sure. You know, that's. <laughs> I understand with your in your situation, if you have to deal with somebody who's 
a drug user, maybe not violent, that maybe that might be a time for someone with more of these social skills or psych- psychiatric type um, abilities to talk to them and help them through this situation or get them to another facility where they need to be. But when it comes to when it comes to somebody breaking in your house or jumping you on the street, social worker. Yeah, give me Sorry, a social. I need to talk to you. So, Make sure they bring the the brown clipboard. That's yeah. the one. So one is that your VCR? I, one thing that I've definitely noticed is that you know, and this is happening more and more in various places. I, I'm only speaking for what I know in our in the city that I work in. But they have a lot of things uh, in play. Like you ever hear of like s- smart cities, smart cities, oh. right? Talking about cameras and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of that. That I feel as though that instead of you know, once again, I don't want to speak for law enforcement, but when you're taking the ability for somebody to do a lot more patrol work and be in the community and be in the neighborhood and, and be able to interact with, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, stores and businesses and all that things. And, you know, some of the older beat cops and they knew their areas. This is taking them out of those areas because of, you know, their babysitting people when it comes to the mental health issues or they get, you know, they got to talk them off of ledges type thing. Why I say that with smart cities is <coughs> now is, because they're not able to do a lot of their patrolling, the smart cities, they have the ability, you know, they got, they got uh, license plate readers. Hmm. They have sensors when, you know, there's gunshots in an area, what they do now. I heard about those. Yeah, the gunshot in the area will trigger where they'll ping all the phones in a certain radius. So in other words, I feel like they're able to solve the crime more easily than they yeah. are to prevent some of the crimes because <clears throat> they're so tied up, if that makes sense. The technology lets them solve the problems because not pres- there's not a presence there. Like exactly, because you got the cameras, right. you got the readers, you got all the things going on in our society that y- you can't you can't get in and out of. I know the city of Schenectady without being seen on a camera. You know what I mean? Well, you see this a lot, like in a lot of the a lot of the riots we had a few years ago. You you saw everybody doing everything, and nobody was held accountable. So. I guess you could have all the cameras in the world. If the prosecutors aren't going to do anything about it, what good are they? Oh, X-ray. That's yeah. a whole other conversation. So pick and choose. Pick and choose. That's all that is. People looting the stores and stuff. Yeah. Just let them go. Yeah. I mean, you see their faces, right? I don't think Yeah. So what are some of the craziest things that you've seen? When you go on a call, you know, we have SOPs and SOGs, which is your standard operating procedure your standard operating guidelines. So it's like an outline, like you go to a fire and you're going to do this, this, and this. You go on a medical call, you're going to go do this, this, and this, depending on, you know, what the person's problem is. When I got into administration, there was no playbook. There was no, like, how you did anything. And I was figuring out purchasing and budgets. And, you know, I was figuring out a lot of things that I I learned a lot about the the fire department. And one of the things that was was hiring, hiring, trying to hire a new candidate today. Yeah. And uh, my chief at the time, when we were doing uh, interviews, we had five candidates, and he was not impressed with anybody. He's no. like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna hire the next guy that can start a chainsaw at this point, right?" <laughs> so he's like, "Set it up." I'm like, "Okay, all right." So That's I go get a chainsaw. I go get a chainsaw. I get the guy some safety glasses and some gloves, right? <laughs> and uh, we get done with the interview with the one guy, and we go, "You." 
have you ever started a chainsaw before? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we're like, okay. So this guy goes, he starts the chainsaw. And we're like, all right, great. We got one of these five guys. He can start a chainsaw. We're, we're, go, we're in the right direction. Second guy, he was able to start it. We get to the third guy. We go, you ever tried start a chainsaw before? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Bring him out to start the chainsaw. He looks at it and he goes, oh, mine's battery operated. Oh, God. <laughs> so why I tell you this is that that's the change in the world. Yeah. These are the ways that you have to train people differently. Yeah. These are the things that they're being exposed to. The values, the way things are being wow. done in life is, is, is changed across all kinds of platforms. And, uh, you know, the, the fire service is, uh, you know, no different than any other changing environment. Now, before we run out of time, because we're almost out of time, I wanted to, Danny, can you bring up that one picture of Bill? Can you tell us about this story, this headline? Yeah, so that... This is you in the picture, by the way, me. carrying the, the yeah, little baby. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's more dramatic than it really looks. I can explain the situation. So Keep that up there, will you? So, so what had happened is there was a, there was a, a barricaded subject in a house in the city. And uh, they had the house basically surrounded. And at the time, I was in administration, like I was, I was explaining to you. And I was in a role that was more of like getting more resources to the, to the scene. So when we, uh, we, we were having like a, a command post, right? So people are reporting in, like we're getting various agencies are coming in to help. They got the, they got the building surrounded type things. And they're getting reports that there are people that are injured in this house. But... Is the fire department, you, you, the police department's got to make sure that the threat is taken care of. Like you're not going to come in there with your, your oxygen bag and your band aids when there, you know, there's there's some sort of a, a big event serious thing going right. on, yeah. right? And uh, so they were in there. They got the building surrounded. We're trying to get everything in place. You know, getting ambulances set up, get them in the right direction. You know, you don't, you know, you got a lot of streets blocked off. So we're doing a lot of logistics stuff. Is what I was doing at this event. Well, out of the blue, a police officer came out of the back door, ran around, and he had that child with him. And the the police officer got maybe 15 feet from me, and he goes down on a knee like he was out of breath. Like, huh. I, I, he was having a medical emergency. Yeah. So they threw the kid at me. <laughs> Can you pull that up again? <laughs> and, and, and I had the kid, and the kid was the, not at this particular moment. But the, the kid was covered in blood, right? Oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, all right, it's like hot potato. Like, I got to figure out now what's going on. Like, the, 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 the police officer's doing fine, and they're working on him. But now I got I to you know, do something, right. right? So I bring him over to the back of our, our rescue rig, and I'm, I'm trying to clean him up. And it, it's, it's not his blood. He's covered in somebody else's blood. So oh. he's breathing, and he's fine, and he's, he's going to be okay. And... Uh, so he was exposed in that picture. He's got this little bit of a disposable blanket on him. That was because yeah. I had to make sure I had to make sure that he was, you know, everything that he, uh, he I had to check everywhere to make sure there wasn't a bullet hole anywhere. Right. Yeah. So I wrapped him up in that. And that picture is me bringing him to the ambulance for yeah. them to take him to the to the hospital for evaluation. Wow. So there was really no heroic end on on the way. Well, that, hey, I mean, don't picture, give yourself that, some credit. Yeah, the way that that picture perceives that there was a yeah. lot more going on, and there's there's a little bit more. But still, I mean, not everybody would be able to even know how to handle that situation. Somebody hands you a baby covered in blood. Yeah. W would you know what to do? 
I wouldn't. I mean, I, I would the, be trying to find somebody who. The, the worst is your own. Like, yeah. I could deal with that, and you're, you, you're programmed a certain way, but when it comes to, you know, if it's your own kid, you're going to get a little bit, you're, you're going to slow down a little bit when you're trying to, you know, because yeah. there's that there's that psychological aspect of, you know, that it's your child. Of course, I couldn't imagine, yeah. We're, we're running out of time. Final thoughts. Anything else that you want to add real uh, quick? Got about yeah, a minute. Yeah, I mean, if you're interested in the fire service, uh, definitely uh, look, into, look into anything medically related, like the EMT course. Uh, that's that's going to be an, an eye-opening if you're, not a, if you're not familiar with it. And uh, it's a great job in this world. You want, you want benefits. You want to be able to take care of your family, have a decent retirement. You know, that's something that's going away. Definitely uh, the fire service. And it's a noble job, and you need people, right? Yeah, it's jo- job security. Yeah. Guns and epidemics of, uh, you know, basically drug-related. It's all uh, job security. This is, uh, yeah, the, the stuff's never going to the, the bad guys are never going to yeah, stop doing what they do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Bill, thank you very much. Oh, thanks, um, it's, it's been great. Thanks for all the insight. we got to do it again because I feel like we haven't even gotten through I half of your EMT stories. Yeah, 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 I'm sure there's yeah. so much more. But okay, thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks so much for watching the Loaded Mic on Rumble. You can also catch us on Ops Lens, Right America Media, Simul TV, and the Key Radio Network. If you want the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, whatever your favorite podcast app is. I'm Dan Wass, and the Second Amendment is not a privilege. It's your right. (laughs) 